The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org give. Please stand for a reading from Luke chapter 16 verses 10 through 18. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I would add my welcome to Wills. My name is John Mark Scruggs. It is good to be with each of you on this Lord's Day. And as we consider this passage, we have returned to the gospel according to Luke. And for me, it is in the section of the generosity of Jesus. The generosity of Jesus pursues those who are lost. And in the generosity of Jesus, he actually um, gets to speak into those areas of our hearts and our lives that matter most. We find this passage, and when I first read it for the first time, I was like, oh, uh, Luke 16, 10 through 18, uh, January 7th. I was like, January 7th, this is the passage. Am I preaching this week? (laughs) And then, yes, I am preaching this week. And when you look at this passage, I just want you to take the posture that Jesus is definitely speaking to me. He's not just speaking to those around you. Um, He actually has something to say to you this day. These are his words, because if these were John Mark's words, it's like not saying that I am a popular pastor, no longer popular pastor, okay? These are actually the words of Jesus, so let's pray before we consider this passage together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this morning and time together where we can come to worship you. And I would just pray through your Holy Spirit, we would worship you in spirit and in truth during our time together this very day. Use the Holy Spirit to see us as you see us. You see our hearts, and by seeing our hearts, you see our lives. So, Father, I would just pray that you would move us in the direction to be more and more like Jesus. We thank you for scripture. We thank you that you continue to speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
There's a young woman who was attending college at Harvard. She was from a Midwestern working class background. So part of being at school is she cleaned the dorm rooms of her peers to make sure that all financial ends were able to be met. And over the course of her time at Harvard, she decided to leave. And she wasn't leaving because um, the classes were too hard. She was actually doing well in school. She wasn't leaving because um, her finances. Um, she was leaving because a gap beginning, began to widen between what she was actually learning and knowing as a student being tested for and that formation of who she was actually becoming. Because what she said about her time there, it, it was kind of how people treated me. And there were multiple examples that um, others approached her and asked her to do various things for them, and they would just pay her for it. And in what would be somewhat of an exit interview during her time there, she said these words, quote, I've been talking all, um, taking all these philosophy courses, and we talk about what's true, what's important, what's good. Well, how do you teach people to be good? What's the point of knowing if you don't keep trying to become a good person? Now, we'll return to that later, but just for a second, as we consider Christian character, um, I just want to use kind of this terminology and definition, um, who we are before God because of Christ. So Christian character, who we are, And she is saying, I want to know how to be good. I want to become a good person. So who you are before God because of Christ, because I think we could all think of endless examples of when that gap actually begins to widen. There are endless examples of institutions or... Um, throughout the world or throughout the nation or throughout Chattanooga or throughout God's church or, or in this very room, this endless examples of just that gap begin, beginning to widen between who we are and what we actually do. I think you would have some examples as well. And the examples that Jesus will use, all the ways that we're just dishonest, all the ways when we have been trust, entrusted with something that is small yet still significant to God. All the ways that we treat others, all the ways we consider our money and possessions, all the ways we consider the elevation of the individual self. And just to consider um, what we have before us, and I hope this makes it, we'll see how this lands. But in this passage, I think Jesus is just, he is going to describe himself as this way. And I think it's actually the desire that we have for each other as well. That Jesus is just the real deal. Okay, and I, and I use that phrase, the real deal, because I think it's actually what we desire for each other, right? I mean, I, I desire that in myself, and I desire that um, in those around us. And here's some examples. By, by what you say, what you say and what you do are the same. So that what you say and what you do are the same. Or if somebody says, it's good to see you, we actually believe them. Or if somebody yells to us, I love you, as we're leaving, that we actually want them to prove it. 
that who we are in private is the same person of who we are in public. I think we actually do desire that for ourselves. That, and I want to be in close proximity to people who are the real deal, right? And you can fill it into any category of business or marriage or your siblings. or Like you can go family. You can go as big as you would like. But Jesus is coming to those in front of him and he is reminding them, hey, like I am the real deal. And because I am the real deal, I would like for you to listen to the actual words that I'm saying about you and your life. And will you see me? And will you know me? And will you love me? Or will you reject me? And we will consider that from two points this morning that you have before you. That Jesus calls for faithful disciples who serve him alone. And the second point, Jesus rebukes the religious in their double lives. So we'll begin with this first point in verse, verse 10. The one who is faithful and very little. And I'm kind of moving over all of this very quickly. If you have questions, I am um, open uh, for you at least to ask one. Um, but I, I'm going to try to go over this like as, as fast as I can, so I'm not going to get to everything. But in this first verse, verse 10, uh, the very little, or what we might call the simple, or the ordinary, or this continuations of days that might all look the same. Jesus is saying, what would it look like for you to be faithful in the little, the simple, the ordinary, that you just show up with very little in a faithful way until the day where those big things come. And because you have been faithful and trustworthy in the very little, when the day that big things come, you will be faithful and trustworthy in whatever is big and significant in your life. That's verse 10, but then he moves on from there of this idea of somebody else's possessions. Verses moving towards 11 and verse 12 as well. When somebody has actually trusted their possessions to you, what do we actually do with that? And part of this is when other people um, just matter to us. What they have also matters to us because Jesus is talking about dishonesty throughout this section, but kind of somebody else's possessions that we would be good steward with what they have entrusted um, to us. And then finally and lastly, he becomes to this conclusion when it comes about money and possessions and being trustworthy with the very little until we're trustworthy with very much to somebody else's possessions You cannot serve God and money. You can't do both. Um, I don't want you to respond, but like, how does that land with you? Because he describes this in such a way of personal devotion that money is actually uh, personified. You treat it like you would treat a person. There is time, there is investment, there's the way you think about it. There's the way that you talk about it. And not that that's bad in and of itself, but but when it becomes everything, that the language of what you love and trust and obey and worship, that's your heart's devotion. 
And Jesus in this passage is saying that you will either hate and despise me because you're lo- you love and you're devoted to money or you're going to love and be devoted to me. But you can't actually have both. Um, again, how is that uh, landing with you? It doesn't land with me very well. Um, I don't know. It feels like an appropriate time to talk about this, but like for years, people had given me their cars that they no longer wanted to drive and couldn't turn it in for much money. Very grateful. Okay, I want to tell you like very grateful for those. Well, then within the past year, I bought a new vehicle, which I never thought I would do. And within a couple of months of buying that new vehicle, I met a red light trying to turn left and an 18-wheeler pulls up beside me and decides to turn right on a red light. This is all in the St. Elmo area, so he got off the highway and we've been stuck behind that guy. Well, that day that guy was beside me. Well, I'm trying to turn left, he's going right, and he turns and the bed of his truck scrapes the passenger side of this new pickup. And in that moment, he didn't realize he did it. I almost lost my mind. It's like, I had this new truck. Nobody, for years, the old cars, nobody even hit it with a basketball. (laughs) And an 18-wheeler just took out the side and then I'm having to drive behind him down Broad Street, eventually getting his attention at at Kentucky Fried Chicken, just honking the horn and circling and yelling, like, dude, you just hit my new car. What we say is that love and devotion I don't know, like what is it for you? And then we get to verse 14, and if you're wondering again, is Jesus talking about me? (laughs) We know that he's certainly talking about the Pharisees. Sorry, verse 16. Note 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money. The Pharisees who were lovers of money. I want to talk about in the positive first of money, possessions, wealth, resources. Okay, in the positive first. Do you remember the story of the rich young man in Mark chapter 10? He approaches Jesus and he asks this question, which sounds like a a true southerner. What must I do to to inherit or um, here? I'm just going to read it directly. I knew I was going to do this when I tried to quote it. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he says, teacher, I've done these. I've done all these things. And we find out from this passage, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And then he said, go sell everything and give to the poor. And the man who is wealthy leaves to feed it. But did you catch it? Jesus and looked at him and loved him and then made the big ask. We know and Luke, we're moving towards Luke chapter 19 with Zacchaeus. This is money and wealth in the positive. Okay, but then in this passage, what we have before us when he talks about them as lovers of money, in their love for money, they don't need Jesus. In their love for money, they they used just money as a disguise that you can just assume of them that they're okay. 
And he gives four implications of this, but what he gets to is regardless of what everybody else sees, Jesus reminds his audience then and now that God ultimately sees our hearts. That's why I begin with this Christian character of of who we are before God, all because of Christ. And he says that God sees and knows your hearts. And I've been thinking about, for those of you who have read C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair, um, there's a character in that book, of, and he's a, he's a knight, but he just wears black armor. And when you see the knight in black armor for the first time, there's two responses. Um, the first response is this, which would be, I think, my response. You're like, isn't this cool? <laughs> there is a knight but they're, he's in black, or she's in black. They're wearing black armor. You, I don't typically see this, but there's another response, and the second response from the book is this. Who or what is in there? And I think with money, we can use it like that, of, of that type of disguise, But God is asking in our hearts, but who and what is actually in there? It's actually what is inside that counts. Because with this, we don't need Jesus and money as a disguise. There's four quick points of application. We find out from the Pharisees that they ridiculed Jesus. So it has moved from grumbling against Jesus to this ridicule of Jesus. And it's as if, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or who does he think he is? I wondered if this connects with you, but I thought about kind of, you have those moments where you're riding beside somebody in the airplane and we have our talkers and our non-talkers probably in the room. But just imagine if, if that person was an expert that you're talking to in this field and you're like, oh, like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage here. So I start engaging with this expert in their field and then they, they're like, oh, how do you know at least some of the things that you have said? How do you know what you know? Like, oh, well, I just, I saw this one episode once of 60 Minutes. It's their actually response to you in the moment is how these individuals are responding to Jesus. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm not going to listen to you. So they ridicule him, ridicule him. Second, self-justification. Third, self-adoration. And in those moments of self-justification and self-adoration, there was a movie I saw years ago where an individual was going, and it's just a movie, so fictional, but he was going to see a doctor. And when he entered into the doctor's office, every possible thing of recognition from academics to what he had done was framed in a frame and behind him. So if you imagine I'm the doctor, I'm not, um, but I'm the doctor and you're meeting with me and there are just frames all behind me along the wall. And there were so many things framed that they had to put one on the ceiling. (laughs) It's this moment um, that we have that like, Look behind, like, I matter. And what I do matters. Therefore, ultimately, I don't need Jesus because this is about me. 
And Jesus points these out in these verses. And then finally and lastly, he gets to the law. Again, Pharisees, well-respected, educated. If you wanted to know about the Old Testament, you would talk to these guys. But, and I've wondered this before, and maybe you have before as well, of like, how did they make money? <laughs> and I found out this week, it's like, thank you. Um, they were paid for their services. That's how they made money. So you could ask them, and there's areas of my life that I would like to ask them about the law, but throughout this, you can imagine the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. The first four, our relationship to God, and the other six, and the other tablet, our relationship to each other. And Jesus is exposing that, um, which would be, I'm not actually going to do this, but if you held kind of in Deuteronomy, sorry, Exodus chapter 20, it's one page of the Bible. But then when you approach the Pharisees, you could take out through the uh, entire Old Testament and it's like, okay, we want to know about this many pages of the Bible. But because they're being paid and we have this verse 18, you can only assume that they would tell people who are paying them what they actually wanted to hear. Okay? <laughs> you following me? Because I think this verse about divorce, it became not God's law, not according to God's command, not according to God, but according to man. For the Jewish, a Jewish man could divorce his wife. Wait for it. This is documented. She overcooked a meal. I'm reminded of my childhood. My brother would always say to my mom, Mom, don't burn the rolls. You just burn a meal. Also, if for a Jewish man that he was married to someone and now is attracted to somebody else, then he had grounds for divorce. And I think what Jesus is saying in this moment of returning back to the law and faithfulness and divorce and already having somebody else in mind to marry. We are just missing faithfulness to God and faithfulness to your spouse and faithfulness to each other. You're just missing, Pharisees, the law. You are consistently inconsistent. You're reliably unreliable because this goes from grumbling <laughs> to holding up their nose to Jesus to the desire to kill Jesus. That's the direction that they are actually moving. It's as if um, we are driving with our eyes closed and they are driving with their eyes closed and Jesus is saying, open your eyes. And I think when you actually open your eyes and see Jesus is the real deal and the direction that the story is going with the law, that it is permanent and it will be fulfilled and it will be fulfilled in this new chapter, in this new person who is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus as the real deal and it won't, what we desire for each other we actually find in him. Jesus is the real deal for our perfect obedience. Again, if you are in Christ this day, when God looks at you, he actually sees his son. The one who lives for perfect obedience. The real deal who lives for what is good and right. 
the real deal who lives for what is true, the real deal for single devotion to God alone, the real deal who embodied human flourishing with God and others all day, every day. The real deal, um, the best possible human being who has ever lived on the face of this planet on our behalf. Um, the real deal who is willing to disrupt areas of our life where we have said, God, um, post it and you can go ahead and keep out. The real deal for us so we can be more like him. And in being more like him, the Holy Spirit is making us more and more the real deal. So when people see Jamark, I want them to actually see Jesus. When people see you, I want them to actually see Jesus. And out of his generosity, he is willing to speak true and hard words so we can open our eyes. Let's close in prayer. Father, again, we are thankful for this morning and for this day. Continue to use your words to speak to us. As we have been worshiping you, we have considered scripture. We're moving towards the table where you have died to make the wretch your treasure. Thank you that we are your treasured people. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.